0: Welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience.
1: And this is Trisha, and I'm really glad that I don't have to use my bumbershoot today. A
0: bumbershoot? That's the name of a festival in Seattle every year.
1: Oh, that totally makes sense, because a bumbershoot is another word for an umbrella. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, it's finally stopped raining for a minute here in Oregon finally at least our part like maybe summer is going to start on time which i think the solstice is tomorrow so yeah i think you're right officially the longest day of the year and the beginning of summer Woohoo! of course this is going to come out later but right (laughs) we're recording on this day (laughs) so as courtney said welcome to addicted to murder um our uh wait is it your turn to social mediate
0: it is my turn to social mediate So, first of all, I just want to say, as always, thank you to all of our followers and listeners. I believe we are this close to getting to 400 followers on Instagram, and we are very close to 3,000 downloads. Yes, ma'am. So, if you haven't already, check us out. Tell your friends. um, Communicate with us. You can find us on social media. Um, Instagram is at Podcast. Our Facebook and Twitter and
1: YouTube Tic- and
0: TikTok, and TikTok yeah. are at Addicted to Murder Podcast. Mm-hmm. Or you can email us at Addicted to Murder Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, and last um, time, or the, one or two times ago, Courtney and I put up our first video um, on borderline personality disorder, and we've gotten some good feedback. Um, sounds like someone on YouTube actually uh, liked what we put down and got some help from it. So we're hoping that we can do some more of that stuff going forward. Yeah. And so if there's things
0: that you want us to expand on um, that, maybe we talk about in an episode and you're like, I don't know what any of that means. Mm -hmm. um, We're welcome to your ideas. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for the social media. It is now question segment time. And my question for you, Courtney is where is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to?
0: Ooh. I'd say the favorite place I've ever traveled, um, when I was in college, my choir that I was in, we went on tour um, and spent three weeks in Greece and Bulgaria. Oh. And, I mean, that's definitely the coolest place I've ever been. Um, it's so beautiful. It's so... Historic. It's so different from the U.S. Um, just in a lot of ways, but it was a pretty cool trip.
1: I've always wanted to go to Greece. <laughs> I don't know much about Bulgaria, but I've always wanted to go to Greece. Mm-hmm. It looks amazing, like from the pictures and the buildings and the I don't know donkeys or whatever you ride to get places. <laughs>
0: I think that's only on certain coastal towns. But yeah, but well, that's mm-hmm.
1: where I'd like to go. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I would. Say, um, my favorite place I went, um, is, was actually in Maine. I thought Maine was like the most beautiful state. And unfortunately we have not had one listener from Maine. Oh, but if they were to listen, I would tell you that, um, Maine is a beautiful state and it reminds me a lot of Oregon and maybe Mm -hmm. that's kind of why, but, um, yeah,
0: Maine is really beautiful Yeah, and they have a Portland.
1: They do have a Portland. That I have been to. Right, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to go um, do like a Stephen King tour with my mom, and we you know went to Bangor and or Bangor. I don't know how they pronounce it, but and went to uh, Stephen King's house. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't go inside, but we took pictures. Nice. And it was like right when that uh, it was coming out, the remake, and there were red balloons in the windows and everything like that. It was pretty, pretty nice. cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so I'm gonna call out because I know a few people who live in Maine. That y'all should listen to us.
1: Right. Get on that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it. it's very motivating when we have um, engagement with our listeners. Um, it helps us keep, you know, because there's a lot of work that we do. So um, we appreciate everyone that listens. But tell your friends to listen to us, too. Yes. If you want to. I mean, it's America. You can do what you want to do. but. Anyways. Thanks, Trisha. Yeah. So, Courtney picked a new killer. Um, go ahead and give them a little tease. Yeah. So,
0: this serial killer is one that's always been really interesting to me. Has inspired several of my favorite crime procedurals to have episodes that are kind of about a similar theme. Um, and so today we are going to start talking about um, the butcher baker from Alaska Mr. Robert Hansen.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you guys have seen the most the new Dexter, but I swear that the villain in that is based on Robert Hansen. I mean that would, I mean
0: Yep, I think I read somewhere that it is. Okay,
1: well it would make sense. Um yep, There's no also there's an, anything, but
0: there's also an episode of Criminal Minds mm-hmm. that has a similar killer in it.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, the book we're going to um, reference, because sometimes I forget to like give them a proper shout out, we always put them in our show notes, but um, it's called Butcher Baker, The True Account of an Alaskan Serial Killer, and it's by Walter, Walter Gilmore and Leland Hale. So um, check it out if you're interested in this piece of work.
0: Yeah. There's also a movie that was made called The Cold Ground um, that stars... Um, John Cusick and Nicholas Cage.
1: Yeah. um, And they actually did Robert Hansen good because John Cusack, they did not ugly him down enough. Nope. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, but it was an interesting movie. Yeah. We, yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, it was more about just him getting mm-hmm. caught as opposed to, you know, him. But it was interesting how it happened. It might actually have also been based on this book that we're using. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's just get into it then, shall we? So Robert Christian Hansen was born on February 15th, 1939 in Ethersville, Iowa. He had one younger sibling. His father was a Danish immigrant and a baker. Robert, or Bob, um, as he would go by, would follow in his father's footsteps, and he also became a baker, hence the Butcher Baker is his name. Robert was a very skinny child. He was also very shy, and he had a stutter. Stutter is back. Uh, Some accounts say that Robert had a terrible relationship with his very dominant father, um, and that his father would make him work long hours in the family bakery and was very strict and very authoritarian like Robert or Bob, so that no matter how hard he worked at something, he could never get his dad's approval. He was also bullied severely at school. He was a loner, as the kids um, at the school were super mean to him because of how he looked, and the girls were apparently repulsed by all of his acne and gawky appearance. And then, you know, throw in that stutter, stutter, and Bob reflected that his stutter was so bad that when a teacher would call on him, he wouldn't even answer, even if he knew the problem, uh, because it was just too embarrassing for him. It was, like, traumatizing. Robert was also left-handed. His parents forced him to use his right hand, um, and I think uh, it might have been commonplace at the time. It's weird that it's such a big deal.
0: Yeah, I think definitely back in like the early 1900s and before,
1: mm-hmm. it was something
0: that was co- really commonly done.
1: I can't imagine having to use I using my left hand to write. It, my right-handedness is already illegible, so left-handed it. <laughs> Well, maybe it would actually be better. I don't know. It's terrible, but aren't you left-handed? I am left-handed. Okay. Well, you're lucky you were born at the time you were then. It's true. No <laughs> one tried to change me. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, he his parents tried to force him to change, and Bob said that might have made his slight stuttering problem even worse. So, Courtney, do you think that his brain was working so hard on becoming right-handed that he unconsciously did not spend enough time on the speech centers of the brain, um, you know, exasperating his stutter? What are your thoughts on his childhood so far?
0: So stuttering is mostly attributed to, like, a delayed or underdeveloped speech pattern, such as things like timing or the actual, like, motor control of saying words. Um, And most kids these days who have a stutter um, would get speech therapy probably at school from a pretty young age. Um, And most of them grow out of it by the time that they're adults. Um, But, you know... Robert probably didn't have access to this growing up in a small town in the 1940s. They just didn't have those resources or know enough about it then um, to know what to do. Um, I did find one source that reported stuttering as being a result of being forced to change from left to right handedness. Um, But it was more like anecdotal stories Mm -hmm. rather than like pure science research. Um, So I suppose it's possible Mm -hmm. that they were connected for Robert. Um, But it's not something that's, like, well-researched and well-known or anything like that. Um, But if we look at the overall picture of his childhood, you know, between the bullying he received at school and his father's rigid and high expectations, Robert would definitely be set up to struggle with the things like low self-esteem, depression, and or anxiety
1: Yeah, and it it looks like he might suffer from social anxiety at this point. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about social anxiety?
0: Yeah, I agree that he probably very likely struggled with social anxiety um, or social phobia as it's now known in the DSM-5. And so in the DSM, the criteria listed for social phobia includes having persistent and intense fear of social situations where one might be judged or embarrassed, avoidance of social situations that trigger this intense fear and anxiety or fear that is out of proportion to the situation and that interferes with daily living. So for Robert, his stutter and history of being bullied for his looks could have led to him being too scared to do things like answer questions in class, talk to new people, or, you know, pursue romantic relationships, for example. You know, when Many people with social phobia appear to be very shy, withdrawn, and lack self-confidence and self-esteem, you know, and I can relate to this. I struggled a lot with social anxiety for much of my life, and it really can be really isolating and limiting. Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, kids are just so mean. I I mean, I don't know. I, we've seen this. That's just how kids are. I mean, I am wasn't a perfect kid either, but yeah. it, Now it makes me feel sad.
0: And there's sort of this vicious circle that goes on, especially with things like stuttering and anxiety, where um, because you have a stutter that makes you anxious because people have been mean before, Mm -hmm. but then anxiety and stress makes the stuttering worse, Mm -hmm. um, which then makes people be more judgy and mean, which creates your anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's like this...
1: Right. It's a never ending circle. It kind of I mean, it's it's a stutter instead of a tick. But sometimes I think of like, you know, Tourette's syndrome where Mm -hmm. the anxiety will make the ticks or whatever the how they're acting out um, worse. Yep. Um, Exactly the same bit like that. Okay. Well, Robert Hansen, in his high school years, did participate in a few clubs and team sports, but really enjoyed doing things by himself, probably because of his social anxiety. He started hunting, and this passion would last his whole life. He excelled at hunting with a bow and arrow and with firearms. He graduated at 18, and wouldn't you know it, his name was apparently misspelled in the yearbook. Dude, just can't get a break. Poor Bob. <laughs> I know. I had a friend that, I, when she graduated, um, they they misspelt her or missaid her name when she went up to walk like she was a girl and they turned her girl name into a boy name. Oh. So, I mean, <laughs> anyways. But Robert or Bob um then joined the army in 1957. I'm going to try to just call him Bob going forward. I don't want to confuse people. But he did his basic training at Fort Dix, New Jersey, and this is where he had his first sexual experience. Um it was at this time it was pros- it was a prostitute. He said they were in and out of the hotel room so quickly it was a real letdown in the grand scheme of things. He had it all built up in his mind. I think we all sometimes do that the first time. I don't know. Some reports said he was discharged within a year, and yet others say that he became a reserve military cop for a while and a drill instructor for the junior police. However long he stayed there, he eventually did leave the military, and he returned home full-time. The army had made a man out of him and had made Bob an excellent marksman as well. When Bob returned home, he was not really content to just work for his father in his bakery. He had a score to settle. So remember all those terrible school years we just talked about when he was bullied and made fun of by girls because of the way he looked and because of his stutter? Well, he had a plan for that. Bob actually became sort of a gang leader. Um, Well, I mean like a bunch of miscreants that would look up to Bob. I don't know if you can really call that a gang, but they were just, you know, a group of kids, and he was the ringleader. They were suspected of a tractor being blown up, um, but they were never charged. However, in December of 1960, Bob's hooligan gang decided to get back at the school that allowed the bullying. They concocted a plan that would give them an alibi. So that alibi was that they all went to the bakery after work to paint the ovens. So they had something to say that they were doing, so they did paint the ovens, just probably a crappy job. Um, anyhow, when push came to show, so then, sorry. So then when the the plan was that they were all going to go together and I think there was three or four of them and they were going to go burn burn down the school bus barn. But when it actually was going to be go time, only one of Bob's friends showed up instead of the several Bob actually was um, the one who doused the gasoline on the bite on the bus barn and lit the fire. His other friend that was there was more like a lookout and just helped him get away. So then they they lit the barn on fire. Then they drove to the bakery to dispose of the gas cans, get rid of the evidence. Then they drove back to the fire. Um, because, you know, people like to return to the scene of the crime. And also, Bob was a volunteer firefighter. And so now he was helping fight the fire he started. So ultimately, seven buses and the barn itself were destroyed by the arson. Bob told his friends the reason he wanted to burn down the barn was because he wanted to see if he could get away with it. And he also hated the superintendent, um, who happened to be a close friend of his father's during this time. Um, Bob was also started his first relationship with the town's chiropractor daughter, chiropractor's daughter. Her name was Phoebe. Bob and Phoebe were both kind of loners and per the book we're referencing. Um, they were both kind of awkward and they weren't very attractive, Apparently, the two of them really got along, and it wasn't much later that they were engaged to be married. Okay. Um, Courtney, thoughts on Bob's arson and thoughts on his new girlfriend?
0: Well, um, if we look at the McDonald triad, um, you know, setting fire is one of those early warning signs that predicts violent criminal behavior in the future. Um, So clearly, this is a precursor to what we are going to see later. Um And it also shows how much more confident Robert was feeling at the time, both for you know, having the courage to take action at all, um, and then in feeling powerful, watching the barn go down in flames. And we can also see how he had learned some social skills in being able to manipulate his young friends to go along with the plan, mm-hmm. although it should be noted that his friends were several years younger than them and were mostly teenagers. I think
1: they were still in school. Yeah, like they
0: were still high school students. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's something to pay attention to. Um, And then at the same time, you know, we can both see some of that confidence, but also potentially some ongoing self-esteem issues in his choosing to start a relationship with Phoebe, of all people. You know, on the one hand, he felt good enough to ask her out and eventually propose to her. Um, on the other hand, he may have considered her kind of his best option, given that he thought of himself as like awkward and ugly, mm-hmm. not to say that Phoebe didn't have like, wasn't an amazing person and that they got along really well too. Just kind of noting that that may have had a part of it.
1: Okay. Well, as is usual with most crimes of this type, the culprits can't keep their mouths shut. So at a party one evening, a citizen back from leave overheard um, that Hanson and his buddy were responsible for the barn fire. The kid who was bragging was just trying to impress the other guy, but that guy went to the authorities. Under questioning, Bob's friend that was with him snitched and told the cops everything. Bob was subsequently arrested on March 29th in 1961. Bob claimed he was innocent and his father was on his side. Um, He was outraged that his son was being framed. Apparently the whole town was divided on if Bob really had done it. Phoebe agreed to marry Bob, but she said that if she ever found out that he did burn down the barn, she would divorce him. Bob was to do a polygraph test. Um, Now we know how that goes, but this one turned out some interesting results. Apparently when the polygraph examiner finished his test, he scooted out of the room. And this is a, this is some dialogue. Which one of you is Wiseman? Now, Wiseman was the chief of police during the investigation, and Wiseman said, I am. And the examiner said, man, you better watch it. That boy is hot on you. You've been living in danger. And Wiseman said, yeah, what kind of danger? And the examiner said, that kid was planning on blowing up your house. Um, So the grand jury eventually decided to charge Bob With willfully and maliciously setting fire to and burning a motor vehicle and other personal property belonging to the Pocahontas Community School District. Instead of making this a public spectacle through trial, Bob decided to plead guilty. He told everyone in his life that he was being framed, but this was the best way to just move on, just to say he did it. So his dad and Phoebe's dad apparently believed him. On October 9th, 1961, Bob was sentenced to the State Reformatory of Anamosa, Iowa for a term of not more than three years. His troops rallied around him, determined to prove he was innocent, but six months later, Bob admitted that he had done it. His father was devastated by this news and promptly sold the business and moved to Minnesota. I'm assuming maybe because he was just kind of embarrassed. I don't know. Later on in interviews, Bob had this to say about the time in Pocahontas, quote, if you look real close at my face, you'll see that I used to have a tremendous amount of pimples on my face. All through high school and even all through service, it embarrassed me to no end to even be around people. My speech was another thing. My gosh, I looked like a freak and I sounded like one. I never had many girls that were interested in me. When they can go out with some guy that can at least talk to them halfway intelligently and not be with a pimple pimple face, they would sure rather do that. I can probably count on one hand the number of dates I had in high school. I was always so embarrassed and upset by people making fun of me that I hated the word school. I guess this is why I burned down the bus barn. I just hated the place with a divine passion. I would do anything and everything I could think of to get back to that, to get back at that monster school that I convinced myself was out to do Bob Hansen personal wrong. So during his stay at the reformatory, Bob had sessions with a psychiatrist who found him to have a, quote, infantile personality and a mental disease that may be social in nature. Courtney, what can you tell us is going on with Bob at this point? What does that diagnosis mean? Do you agree? And do you have anything further um, diagnosis-wise that you want to talk about?
0: So there's no such thing as infantile personality disorder, at least not in current practice, Um Based on what we know about Robert, I would assume that this meant he was considered to be pretty immature um, and had underdeveloped social and emotional skills. Uh, so this was demonstrated by the fact that his main friends were a few years younger than him, like we noted. Um, and also, that kind of simplistic views of the school as being evil and seeking revenge, that's a very sort of immature way of thinking about problems. Mm-hmm. Um, And then throw on the speech, um, which also could have delayed some of that, like, social and emotional learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, at this time, other than the social anxiety, we're seeing maybe some emergence of, um, you know, lying, manipulating. So some of those, like, psychopathic traits. Mm -hmm. Um, But not quite enough evidence at this point in his life to make another diagnosis.
1: Not yet. Okay. Well, Bob and Phoebe divorced because he admitted to doing the crime and after 20 months of his three-year sentence, Bob was paroled. After he was paroled, Bob then started to steal. He was arrested several times for petty theft. Bob said he had money for these items, but he stole them anyway. Courtney, we've heard of celebrity shoplifting even though they have money like Bob was doing. Can you explain what this is? Is it kleptomania? Is that even a real term? What Why does it happen, and does Bob have this condition? So there are many reasons that
0: people might steal or shoplift items, including financial problems, thrill seeking, obsessive compulsive urges, um, or simply having no moral qualms about stealing. Um, And so kleptomania, which it's a real thing, um, which is it's a type of impulse control disorder. That's defined as having an uncontrollable urge to take items that they do not need or want for the sake of stealing itself, Um, and it's actually pretty rare. Um, Statistics show that like somewhere between only four and twenty five percent of people who shoplift have kleptomania, Hmm. Um, and so with Robert, you know I don't think he has it. Um, I think this is the time in his life where, like I was saying, we start to see more of these antisocial behaviors. Um, so committing small crimes like stealing, having no remorse, like those are very common with kind of like antisocial personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we look at the options for why people steal, I think it's a I wanted it and I don't feel bad about stealing.
1: Okay. Well, um, let see here. Bob met and married Darla soon after he was released from prison. He had moved up to Minnesota to where his dad had his new resort and Bob was helping paint. And so when he was there working that way, Darla was also working there and that's how they met. Um, So they got married. It was pretty quick. Bob and Darla moved around a lot. Darla finished her degree and became a school teacher. She knew Bob had a past, a criminal past, but she was sure she could fix him. She was a very caring, if not naive, woman. Eventually, Bob convinced Darla that they would do better if they moved to Alaska, and so that's what they did. So sorry, that transition was pretty quick. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so after he got caught stealing and he moved with his parents, he was helping them at their new place of business where he met Darla. That relationship blossomed. They got married, and then they eventually moved to Alaska. In 1971, Bob was arrested twice. This was in Alaska now. Once for abducting and attempting to rape a secretary, and once for raping a sex worker. During a much later interview with the surviving prostitute, she was able to give an account of what happened to her. She was kidnapped at gunpoint from a cafe parking lot. She was then forced to strip. He took her to a secluded hotel where they had sex slash rape. She did say, this is a quote, his penis was shaped funny, like it was deformed or something. It was short, but very large around, end quote. He then took her deep into the woods and she figured she was a goner. Somehow she talked him into taking her back, told him she would never tell the cops. She hated cops. She spoke of his stutter and his conflict between killing her and letting her go. Bob did tell her that he had killed before and she believed him. So she was really lucky that he let her go. Others would not be so fortunate. So anyhow, of course he got no jail time because, you know, she was a prostitute. And the charge just happened to be dropped. Um, In the later investigation, when this was all being rehashed, his kidnapping um, and raping of a prostitute did come up. The officer that arrested Hanson at the time had this to say, quote, we taught him how to kill. When we didn't put him away for a long time, we taught him to kill. We not only taught him to kill, we taught him who to kill. Way back in 72, we told him it's all right to kill whores because nobody gives a shit about whores. So basically, um, I'm just going to just kind of rehash what I just said. In Alaska, Bob starts doing nefarious things. He's picking up street walkers. He's or kidnapping them. He's raping them. Um, And this one particular one got away. And when she went to the police, they basically, you know, you're not a credible witness. We're just dropping the charges. However, when they talked to the cop later on who had arrested Bob, that is what he said back then in 1972, because they did not do anything about the prostitute that he had abducted and raped and was going to kill. Um, it basically taught Bob that it was okay to do that. So we've seen this time and again, sex workers have been vulnerable to these types of people because society has deemed them as expendable. Um, I don't know how many people could potentially have been saved if prostitutes were, were not seen as such. I mean, in this case and other cases, um, if they were actually just seen as human beings and not as a prostitute, it totally drives Courtney and us crazy. They are judged not on their character or experience, but because of their profession. Right, Courtney?
0: Absolutely. This isn't even the only time in Alaska that this happened. Right. Yeah. I you know, back when we talked about Willie Picton mm-hmm. it was the same thing, but that was even in the 90s.
1: Well, that well, I mean, that was in BC, but like, mm-hmm. still, yeah. it's commonplace that prostitutes are just not taken seriously Mm -hmm. or the DA or whomever thinks that they won't be a credible of enough witness that they don't even try. Exactly. So even it yeah, anyhow, so at the same time, um, he also did get, um, he, he got jail time for the attempted, attempted kidnapping of the secretary because she was not a prostitute. So, um, anyhow, during his stay in the clink for this kidnapping, charge he had another psychiatric examination and this new report said that bob had disassociative mental illness accompanied by loss of memory because you know how convenient because bob did say he just didn't remember any of these crimes he committed the shrink also said that he may have a compulsive personality with thought disorder and periodic schizophrenic episodes in which quote he disassociated himself into a psychotic rather than an erotic fashion His compulsive actions have psychological causes. The psychiatrist recommended to the judge that Bob should require close supervision for a long period of time, at least two years. He also said he should see a psychiatrist twice a week as his mental illness would be very hard to treat. But after six months in prison, Bob was assessed by a different psychiatrist who said he was cured and then he was released. So basically for two crimes, very serious crimes, he got six months. What Mm -hmm. do you think about that? You know, I
0: really wish that I could have found copies of all of Robert's different psychiatric assessments. Mm -hmm. But since I couldn't read the whole thing of any of them, just little excerpts and conclusions, um, you know, a lot of my thoughts on this are pretty much just speculative. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is one more assessment that occurs later after a different arrest um, that is also relevant, but we'll get into that more next time. Um, but really, up until this jail stay, there had been no other reports of Bob having experienced dissociative episodes or psychosis, and it was not brought up at all when he was convicted in that arson case mm-hmm. um, when he was younger. And so, from my perspective, like it would be incredibly unlikely that he had these types of episodes without his wife, parents, coworkers, or friends noticing that something was wrong you don't just like go into a psychotic break or something like that and like no one else notices Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. um you know that being said however the criteria and explanation um around different mental health diagnoses were much more vague and open to interpretation back in the 70s When they were still using the Mm -hmm. DSM-3. So it's possible that kind of based on those criteria, two different psychiatrists could see the same things but interpret them very differently. Um, And really for a long time, like schizophrenia was sort of the catch-all diagnosis. Like, we don't know what's wrong with you. You probably have schizophrenia. Um, So... I don't know. I don't know what the psychiatrist saw, Um, but it's also possible that Robert lied or faked his symptoms, Mm -hmm. which later on he claimed to have done. Yeah. Um, you know, to avoid facing the real consequences of his actions.
1: I totally think he's just lying. I don't remember. It's like something came over me, and I wasn't in my own body. That's. I think that's what he did, Mm -hmm. and maybe he confused the psychiatrist because they bought into his BS. Maybe. But, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just kind of the, that's just what I'm picking up. But then again, we weren't there. And as you said, the transcripts for all that stuff and actual profiles are are not around to look at. Right, exactly. And I searched hard for them. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you get lucky, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't. Um, but that's where we're going to stop today. Uh, I do apologize if this one seems a little choppy. It's, there's a lot of info on him but there's big parts of his life where it just is gone like he does something and then he's okay for a couple of years and then he does something you know so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um if it sounds if anyhow as i'm reading this and presenting it I'm, glad, I'm i'm just hoping you guys aren't confused by my ramblings
0: i think it all makes sense i think we're okay. good okay okay
1: yeah and i now- over i overanalyze
0: <laughs> yeah and i think from here on out things in his life, move a lot more linearly. Yeah. So.
1: Yes. Okay. So basically, that was his childhood. That was his, you know, in and out of the army. And that was his first um, crimes that he committed. Right. Starting to get more violent. Right.
0: And as of yet, as far as we know, no murders.
1: Right. Yes. Now, that prostitute that they did interview later on, down 10 years down the road, said that Bob had told her she had, he had killed others. But who knows if he was just saying that to be scary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyways, that's where we're going to stop today. And, um, we will pick up next Tuesday and I hope that you guys have a great begin, beginning of your summer and please like listen, follow, subscribe. Yeah. Yes. Is that everything? Anything you want to say? No, I think that pretty much covers it. All right. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.